welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm Lindsay Simsick. And I'm Krista Williams. We're so happy you're here. Thanks for being here. If you're new to the show, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed. We release episodes a couple times a week. They are interviews. They are solo episodes. And we're really just here to support you in your evolution through our own curiosities and growth and this is a really beautiful community. So if you haven't tapped in, please do. You can follow us on Instagram. You can check out our membership. Just all things almost 30 at almost30.com. Yeah, I'm excited. We also have our um, signature programs, Life Edit, Sacredness of Being Single, and Love One available now. If you want to tap into those, we have them evergreen on the site, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do a podcast, if you're not in our programs already, you can still get that resource and information about starting or launching, growing, and monetizing a podcast. Yes. Podcast grow. We started this podcast in our closets. We built it from the ground up. We've been doing this for almost seven years now. And so um, one of our passions is to support podcasters. Yes. Here for you. Here for you. Okay. So today's episode is going to be a juicy experiential one. Truly. As it happens, we were the <laughs> guinea bugs for this. I felt very old school, almost 30, where it was yeah, like very real that. and raw. But I think actually old school, almost 30 would be me going all the way there. Totally. We, we went, you'll you'll hear in this episode, we went to the point I had to stop. I was like, I need to do this alone. <laughs> You're like, actually, this part does not want to talk about this on a podcast right now. <laughs> I was like, this part is a little embarrassed, and then it might be another part. Um, so today's episode is with Dr. Schwartz, Richard Schwartz. He was the creator of Internal Family Systems. Um, he works at faculty at Harvard Medical School, and he has been profound in the therapy space, in the psychotherapy space. And Internal Family Systems is a process that I use in therapy, that I use in my life, that has been incredibly transformational. I feel like it brings together a lot of different modalities or beliefs, um, shadow work. You know, it's very Jungian. There are elements of it that are very much related to like the higher self or the self or the soul. Um, there's almost the the homo onopono, you know, that mm -hmm. Hawaiian mm -hmm. um, Hawaiian prayer, there's also a little bit of that element too. So it's just really beautiful. What is that? Just to pull on that, that is the I love. Thank you. I love you. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like inner child work too, because mm -hmm. you're talking to all parts. Yes. And sort of having that yeah. conversation where, you know, thank you. I love you. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Maybe a different, <laughs> maybe a different style. <laughs> it'd no, like, but it's true. It'd be like, please forgive me. Thank you. I'm want to go to lunch. Or be like, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. It's um, profound. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I didn't actually know that I was doing IFS and therapy years ago with my former therapist. Um, I had an appreciation for it then, but when you're so in it, you know what I mean. I don't know if I understood the profundity of it. And looking back, I'm like, oh wow. Um, but it has really been so helpful to, yeah, just like in, you know, hopefully not sounding cheesy, but like just really love yourself more. Like there's so many parts of us that are kind of vying for attention or protecting us or um, as, you know, Dr. Schwartz says, exiled at some point in our life. And 
Um, I didn't really know which ones were which, who was running the show, and I couldn't find that true self, that soul, that that essence of who I was because they were all kind of running amok. So it was really important in that work to kind of discern what was what. So IFS is really evidence-based and it's a widely used form of psychotherapy, particularly with trauma. It really supports trauma. It provides a really non-pathologizing, optimistic, and empowering perspective and a very practical and effective set of techniques for working with individuals, couples, families, and now corporations and classrooms. Um, And I've been using it in therapy as well, and it's been incredibly transformational, especially as it relates to eating disorder, body, you know, Mm -hmm. issues. But now I really apply it to so many areas of my life. Um, And also, I think it was really beautiful that at the end, we sort of got to the point where we were talking about the manager's being very present within romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. So in the concept of IFS, which we'll dig into more on the podcast, there is the capital S self, which is the true, the true self, like the inner essence of the self, which is very Jungian as well. But that's the soul. That's the perfect, you know, all loving, all knowing essence that is the divine in you. And then there's parts. And these parts are really created from trauma, from family or culture or situations. And there are ways in which we have learned to cope with traumatic situations or situations in our life. So say, you know, as an example, you were a child that was um, abused or neglected when you were younger. You would essentially create parts to protect yourself from death or heartbreak or just completely like giving up on life. Mm -hmm. So these parts are really, really important for us for survival, for us for navigating the world. They support us in a lot of different ways. But they can also be providing us trouble in life. You know, they can be preventing us from being close to people or from trusting people or from letting go of control or from all these different types of ways in which our parts cope. But what I really like is that when we talk a lot about shadow work, there can be this like fear around shadow work. There Mm -hmm. can be this fear or this way in which it seems like you're going into the abyss and it never stops. And I love that parts work is really the truest sense of shadow work, where you're really taking these parts of you that you've neglected, that you've exiled, that you've abandoned, and you're reincorporating them within your true essence. You're loving them enough to bring them back to yourself, to bring them back into your true essence. And it's really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't necessarily have an experience with big T trauma, all of us have parts. So it it can be even just a mere kind of dysfunction in a family. So, you know, say you felt as though uh, you needed to manage your parents' emotions or perhaps you had an older sibling that you were kind of in the shadow of. Like there are all these just kind of like kind of small T um, dysfunctions within a family that honestly are kind of inevitable (laughs) because we're all kind of carrying various yeah we're kind of like carrying parts like our parents had parts that they didn't tend to so it's kind of like passing it on but um so if you're listening this absolutely will be something that is helpful for you whether you consider yourself having experienced big t or small t trauma yeah i think people can even think about in culture like i think we have like culturally relevant parts like for a lot of Mm. women right now could be the part of us that believes that we have to hustle and work really hard to be worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, the part of us that believes that we can't take a break because if we take a break, everything will fall apart. Yeah. You know, the part of us that believes that we have to be doing a hundred different things to be successful. 
you know, there's very like nuanced ways. It's almost like the limiting beliefs are those aspects of us that um, we can sort of see within ourselves that are also reflected in culture. Yes. And in this episode, Dick, as he wanted us to call him, mm-hmm. so we did. Mm-hmm. He said, great dick. We said, sounds good, dick. Um, And he kind of brought us through like, what is, how does he phrase it? It's a piece of work. Yeah. A piece of work, which I really, I really loved. I was like, Mm -hmm. I actually love that, like phrasing of that, like a piece of work when you kind of work and through something. So we both had, had a few moments to do that, which candidly in the moment, I'm like, I'm taking too much time, too much space. What's happening? Krista did as well, but it was our intention in kind of indulging in that is that, you know, one, you get a peek into what IFS is. And two, we got three free therapy. Mm-hmm, yeah, it was really. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, that was like OG the first time. I know. I'm like, hey, have you done IFS with the founder yeah, of IFS? Yeah, that's fact. At the beginning of the pod, we used to have like readers on all the time. And we'd be like, well, do you want to know my birthday? And we'd have the entire podcast be like reading us. We'd be like, I kind of need an example. What if you're a Pisces? <laughs> but yeah, so Lindsay went through her own piece of work. I did mine as well. It wasn't really an expected thing, but I think it will provide a beautiful example of yeah. the experience of what it's like. So hopefully that is helpful for you. Um, this could be something that you can bring up to a therapist that you see. Maybe you're using BetterHelp or maybe you're seeing someone on your own. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it's really good if you haven't explored doing this, maybe bringing it up in therapy yeah. so you can explore it as part of the work that you're going to do. And it's been so helpful in communication. Like, I feel like we use it naturally, you know, where it's like the part of ourselves or like I'm experiencing this and this part of me feels this way. It's helpful in romantic relationships with family. So it really provides a helpful language, like putting how you're feeling to language that perhaps someone could better understand. Yeah. And I said this in our interview, but it provides a great opportunity for you to take all accountability and then like none. Uh Because it's like in a situation, you know, say I was activated with you, I could be like, you know, there's a part of me that feels incredibly activated that, um, you know, you left early, you left Mm -hmm. dinner early last night. That part of me really feels like you abandon me or leave me, you know, all those things. And then that's really taken a, like true accountability. Like I'm having this experience and feeling mm-hmm. and I know that's really my experience and feeling. But then also you're like, that's a part of me. Totally that's not me. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice. It's like nice for the other person to receive the true accountability. And then it's nice for you to be like, oh, I know that's an experience and part of me, but that's not the real me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I love that element of it. Yes, completely agree. So we hope you enjoy this one. Dr. Schwartz's latest book is No Bad Parts. So order that one. Enjoy this one. If you loved it, send it to a friend. This is how we've grown the podcast over the years. It's so beautiful. Almost30.com for anything about the membership, our courses, our programs. We're on TikTok, Almost30 Podcast on TikTok. We got Morning Microdose, which is our beautiful opportunity to get bite-sized bits of information five days a week. And then you can find me on Instagram at It's Krista. And I'm at Lindsay Simsic. Thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy this one and we will see you on the other side. We'll see you soon. Okay, I'm sure everyone out there listening, if you're listening to Almost 30, you are always at the ready to unlock your true potential of your body and your mind. And we're so excited to introduce you to a product and really a way of living that we have found to be incredibly impactful for our health and more. 
and it is Analemma Coherent Water. And this is a revolutionary new way to improve your health and well-being. And Analemma has been clinically proven to significantly increase ATP levels, which is the mitochondrial energy of your body. So it's like the light body. And ATP is directly responsible for powering the majority of cellular processes in all living beings. So increased ATP levels result in improved athletic performance, enhanced cognitive function, improved cardiovascular health, and positively affects almost every area of your health. It's so powerful that drinking an Alema water improves the state of your microbiome as well. I know so many people are interested in having a really healthy, balanced microbiome. And so drinking coherent water leads to improved digestion, enhanced immune function, reduced inflammation, it improves mental health, and also helps reduce the risk of most chronic diseases. So what is analemma? Okay, so it is this wand that you use, I know, sounds like, wait, what? So it is this wand, a crystal wand filled with mother water, which takes about a year to create. And this water is highly structured. And so when you stir it in your unstructured water, by the properties of water, it forms structured water. So you are drinking beautiful crystalline structured water. So it is harmonious, non-chaotic. And in this day and age, we really have to be mindful of the type of water that we are consuming. So after you filtered your water, I just stir it up for about 30 seconds. And I swear to you, not only does it taste different, but it feels different. I felt like my skin looks better too. I was thinking about that. Mm -hmm. How like, I mean, we're skin... made up of water. Yes. It's like, of course. Being mindful of the water, I think, is such a powerful thing. And it's really powerful too that Analemma has recently launched a whole house unit, which I cannot wait to see. So with the whole house <laughs> Analemma, you can get the blessing of this water in every part of your house. It is also now conducting a 100-person study to examine the effects of Analemma water when bathing in it. So they're now doing studies. They're doing a lot of research on the water, which is really powerful. The early results of this are really phenomenal. Every individual in the study up until now has experienced a significant improvement in many cardiovascular markers, such as cardiac output and stroke volume. So you're, they're seeing benefits right now for people that are not only drinking the water, but bathing in it with their whole house unit. So imagine having more energy, a healthier gut, a clearer mind, and a youthful body. With Analemma water, it all stops being a dream and you can actually have these things. So take the first step towards unlocking your true potential and try Analemma water and revolutionize your life. So visit coherent-water.com. Every purchase comes with a 100% money back guarantee. So you can literally taste the difference risk-free. If you don't like it, send it back. But I'm excited for you to get this incredible wand that you will just stir in your water every single day. Coherent-water.com. Join the water revolution and use the code ALMOST30 for 15% off. Code ALMOST30 at Coherent-water.com for 15% off. I'm someone that has been going to therapy for two years now. And um, during my conversations and sessions, we often talk about body and eating and anything related to that. And to really understand these different aspects of me, my parts, you know, my manager part, my exile part, and how I was working with my eating disorder or the way I was like seeing my body and food 
was like incredible. It changed everything for me and really was able to bring a new level of self-compassion. So I would love to just start even explaining what IFS is for anyone that doesn't really know. And you could even use the example of someone that has issues with eating and food. Yeah, it's it's those clients that I learned IFS from. This goes back 40 years because I'm quite old now. You look great. uh, You look great. Thank you. (laughs) That's the main thing. So I was a young family therapist. Thought we discovered the Holy Grail with family therapy and for sure we didn't have to muck around with the intrapsychic process because we could change everything by just moving around these families, family members and restructuring the family and wanted to prove that. So I decided to do an outcome study with anorexia. Well, I was going to do anorexia, but this guy Salvador Mnuchin, who was my hero, had already done that and claimed it had great luck. So bulimia was a new thing, just uh, sort of discovered back in those days. And, and so my colleague Mary Jo Barrett and I gathered together 30 bulimic kids and their families and tried to do straight structural family therapy with them. It was one of those when prophecies fail, because they really kept binging and purging despite how much we were reorganizing the family just the way the book said to. So out of frustration, I began asking what was going on. They started talking to what to me at the time was the strange language of parts. And they would say, it's the version. When something bad happens in my life, this critic starts to attack me and call me names. And then that brings up a part that makes me feel totally worthless and young and, and desperate and alone and empty. In comes the binge to fill that up and get me away from those feelings. But then the critic comes back and attacks me for having binge. And that makes that young, empty, worthless part feel bad. And so the binge has to come back. And they were caught in that vicious cycle for days. And uh, at first, I, I thought these were what most of the field still thinks they are, which is the critic is an internalized parental critical voice and the binge is a control impulse. And so I was trying to get these clients to fight with the critics, stand up for themselves, or control the binge. And they'd come back saying, it's just getting worse. But I was like the man in a hole with a shovel. You know, I didn't know what to do except dig deeper and stand up stronger fight harder and until one client who cut herself on her wrists and described the part that was doing that to me, I decided I wasn't going to let her leave my office until we had that part wrestled into surrendering. So after a couple hours of badgering with a finally said it wouldn't cut her that week and I opened the door the next session, she had a big gash down the side of her face. And I collapsed emotionally and just spontaneously said, I give up. I can't beat you. And that was a turning point in the history of this model because I shifted and the part in turn softened and said, I don't really want to beat you. And so I got curious and said, well, why do you do this? And the part talked about how when she was young, how much it needed to get her out of her body because she was being sexually abused. And this was the only way it knew how to do that. And so I shifted again. Now I have a kind of appreciation for the heroic role it played in her life. And I can convey that to the part that broke into tears because everyone demonized it and tried to get rid of it. 
including parts of her. And so that, again, was a historic moment in this movement. And from that point on, rather than trying to wrestle these parts into submission or change them, I tried to myself and help my clients just get curious about why they're doing what they're doing. And the results have been amazing. Just really just have a huge appreciation for how heroic many of these parts that get vilified are. I think that was my, you know, my profound learning is when you struggle with something for your whole life. So for me, that was food and body. And you just feel like there's such agony around it and there's such pain. And then sort of to be in an environment in therapy, in my case, where I can understand and see where the um, manager, you know, why she's doing that. Oh, she's doing that because she heard that I will no longer be loved if I don't look a certain way or if I don't weigh a certain amount. You know, it's like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like you seek to have me feel loved and you want to keep me safe. Like that makes so much sense to me. And then you can work with the other parts in that way. But finding that compassion for even like the hardest parts of you or even the most painful parts of you is such a beautiful, profound thing. It feels to me like it used to be more harsh. It used to be like, okay, we're going to get this person to think. We're going to get this part of us to comply. We're going to get this, you know, person that has this mental issue to submit. What has that transition like been to, to being like, there's no bad parts. We love all parts of ourselves. Yeah, it's been kind of, uh, I just feel very, very lucky. Stumbled onto this so many years ago and been on this journey. It's been challenging to bring this to our culture because we're so embedded in other paradigms. These are just troubling impulses and, and you know, or, or there's some kind of mental disease that needs medication. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a tough sell in this culture. And it's amazing now, probably the last five years, it seems to be exploded and taken hold. And I'm just thrilled to hear that you guys have experienced it and and many of your listeners have too. So mm-hmm. I've often wondered, why me? Why am I the one to bring this? And there are other systems that have some similarities, but I feel both blessed and also burdened by this sense of duty. What is the burden? What part of like? you is feel burdened? <laughs> <laughs> You really get it. I'll be 73 in a few months, and the part of me who's been plugging away these 40 years, and, you know, I think my kids suffered for my being so obsessed with this. I just moved back to the Chicago area to try and reconnect more, and that's all actually going very well. Um, You know, there have been some consequences. That was, I think, what you were asking earlier. And I'm at a point now a lot of my friends are retiring and thinking about laying on the beach most of the day. And I I can't let this go. I just feel like I, I've been given this precious gift and I have to take it as far as I can. So that's the burden of it. Yeah. And I've, I've worked with that part. It is a part. Uh, and, you know, part of coming back to being with family is trying to find more balance. And, and that actually has been helping. Yeah, I mean we're we're very grateful and I know 
people that are just being introduced to this work will will certainly feel the same. I would love to talk about, you know, the role of the family in creating these parts. Because from my understanding that, you know, we are kind of born these more pure and I guess like right parts in the right place. And then the family kind of causes this dysfunction um, of sorts and resituating. So I would love for you to describe that for people that are uh, just learning about IFS. Yeah, well, I, I used to say you're born pretty pure, but the topic, what we call legacy burdens, has become increasingly important. So we also are, are born into extreme beliefs and emotions that come down through the generations and attached to us at birth often. Um, but despite that, we're born much more with what I call self in the lead, which self I haven't really talked about. And, you know, families have different preferences for what's acceptable and not acceptable in terms of what parts of you you can have in the family or show. And so families where it's a very narrow range of what's okay, you have to exile many parts, of what I call exile, you have to lock them away in inner basements and kind of uh, hide them in your family. That takes a toll, both for part, maybe there's a, a very sensitive part of you that can get hurt easily and cries. And you have a parent who, whenever you cry, gets very scolding or, or shaming. So you uh, lead your life from this, what we call self-like part that's got a happy face all the time. But, and that sensitive part of you has to be locked away. Not only does it feel hurt by your parent, but also feels abandoned by you and becomes what we call an exile and suffers in, in exile. And will any chance it gets pull you down and make you feel what it's feeling? And so you become more and more attached to the part of you that tries to keep you happy face. So families can have that impact. The other thing that exiles parts of you is trauma. Our families produce trauma, but there's also other kinds of trauma. And when we get traumatized, especially in this culture where this is a rugged individualist American culture, where if you get hurt, you're just supposed to move on and not look back and don't think about the past, just let it all go. And as a result, you think you're just moving on from the memories and sensations and emotions of trauma. But in fact, you wind up locking away the parts of you that were most hurt by it, thinking that there are just those memories and sensations and emotions. And the parts of you that were most hurt by the trauma tend to be those very sensitive parts. Other systems call them inner children get hurt the most because they're the most sensitive. But before they were hurt, they're the parts that you love. Bring all kinds of playfulness and creativity and joy to your life. But now, just because they got hurt, now you don't want to be around them because they carry those burdens now of pain or terror or shame. 
and they have the power to overwhelm you and make you feel all of what they're feeling um, until you help them, until you heal them. So it's natural to try and get away from them. So most of us have a bunch of what we call exiles. Again, are these young, sensitive parts that get hurt and then get locked away. So most of us come out of our families with lots of exiles of different kinds, some from traumas and some from just the rules in the family or what's acceptable. Can you talk a little bit more about the, the self? Yeah. So initially, all I was learning about were these parts, and, and I was hearing about how they fighting with each other and struggling for power and hating each other. And so again, I'm a family therapist. And so I began trying to get them to get along or get my client to get along with them. After I learned that they weren't what they seemed, that they actually deserved to be listened to and fought with or locked up. So like if I, if I was working with one of you, I would have you maybe focus on that critic and uh, you know, just get to know it, ask it what it wants you to know. And we would start that conversation. And all of a sudden you'd be furious with the critic. And it reminded me of family sessions where I'm trying to have two people talk to each other and it's going okay. And then suddenly one of them jumps in and interferes and screws it all up. Third, a third party, I mean, third one. And in family therapy, we were taught to get that third person to just step back and create a better boundary around the two who are trying to have the conversation. And it works, things go better. So I thought maybe the same thing's happening in this inner system. As I'm trying to have my client talk to this critic, a part who hates the critic has jumped in. So I asked clients, could you get that one to step out? Or could you get the one who's so afraid of the critic to just relax, just open some space so we can have a, this different kind of conversation? And to my amazement, clients could do that. And when they did, they would suddenly become purely curious and calm and confident. And when they were in that state, the conversation would go well. The critic could drop its guard and talk about its fears of what would happen if it didn't criticize her all the time. And then I would do the same process with other clients. And lo and behold, it was like the same person would pop out with the same qualities, calm and curious, creative, what we call the eight C words of self-leadership uh, and compassion. Suddenly they might say, I feel sorry for this part. And again, seconds earlier, they hated it. They were terrified. So when I would do this with other clients, I would say, okay, what part of you is that that just popped out? They'd say, well, that's not a part like these others. That's more myself. That's more me. So I came to call that The Cell, with a capital S, and it turns out 40 years later, thousands of clients later, thousands of people using this all over the world now, as you, as you mentioned, we can safely say that that self is in everybody, can't be damaged, knows how to heal, and is just beneath the surface of these parts so that open space, it comes out automatically. It's what people meditate to get into, really getting your parts to relax and you just embodying self. So that's the big discovery of IFS. That's our essence. That's who we really are. And that it doesn't take 20 years to get to it. It's really just right there, as you might have experienced if you, as you've been doing IFS therapy. Yeah, I felt like it was just such a spiritual experience. You know, we're yeah. very into spirituality and um, 
you know, we have that knowing or I have that knowing that there is that true essence self or that there is that very pure, you know, everlasting infinite self that we have. And then it's almost like the parts are just part of the human experience. It's like there's these parts of our human experience that we're supposed to learn, that we're bumping up against, that we're kind of going through, that we can kind of have as part of the journey. But, you know, I was listening to you talking to Aubrey Marcus, and it was really beautiful because you mentioned that, you know, you used to be more agnostic or you used to be less spiritual or less faith-based. And I'd love to hear about how this has sort of brought you on the journey of a deeper sense of spirituality. Yeah, you know, at, at first I couldn't reconcile my psychology training with this the self because what's called attachment theory, which I love most aspects of, basically it says what happens to you when you're very young has a big impact on the rest of your life. Um, but one element of it was for you to have any of these qualities that I just mentioned, and I think I mentioned four, like calm, confidence, curiosity. Compassion. Uh, mm-hmm. Compassion. Creativity. Clarity, courage, creativity, and connectedness. For you to have any of that, you had to have had a certain kind of parenting at a critical time in your childhood. And if you didn't get that, you were out of luck. Because it had to come from outside. It had to come from a relationship. And maybe you can get it from your therapist later, or maybe you can get it from your intimate partner, but it's not inherent in you. And that's what I'd been taught. And yet I was finding that in clients who'd had horrible, horrible childhoods, been tortured on a daily basis. There was no way I could reckon popping out of this cell with my training. And so I had to look around for other explanations for it. And the only ones that made any sense to me were spiritual. And and I had some students at the time, because as you mentioned, I, I wasn't at all spiritual going into this. Although I, I had done TM when I got out of college and was so anxious and it helped with my anxiety, but I didn't think much of it spiritually. But then I had no other explanation and started to explore a lot of different spiritual traditions. and. Lo and behold, everyone had a word for this, different ways to access it, and described it basically in the same way across tradition. And so where I've landed now, and I sort of came out of the closet in no bad parts on all this, I'm still trying to infiltrate traditional psychiatry and psychology. Um, some, some of those people would look askance on the spiritual side of this. In no bad parts, I talk that journey and how now... I'm a very spiritual person, and I see what I'm calling self. You know, in quantum physics, they talk about a photon being both a particle and a wave. And so I think there's a particle state of self, which is what I'm talking about, and is it everybody? But if you do meditate or you do psychedelic drugs, you can enter the wave state of self. It doesn't have boundaries and is they call them non-dual, and uh, you, you just feel in the ocean, the wave. It's the same self, just in two different forms. What people call God, largely for me, is that wave state of self. You guys, this is my favorite fact I've been telling everyone I know at parties. It's like 
probably getting old for everyone around me, but I need to tell you because I cannot believe it. So did you guys know that the drugs that we take to manage period cramps, so women, if you take medicine for period cramps, they were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men. Yes, period cramp medicine was tested on men in the 1950s. I swear, after we've opened up the conversation around hormones and birth control and just things related to the feminine experience like your period, we've learned so much and we've uncovered so much. So it's crazy that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. But Daloon is a company that we work with that is sponsoring the show that is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health because our cycles really affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. So I'm someone that would have that mood swing around my period. I would cry. I would just be extra emotional, which is really beautiful. But Deluna has really supported me in having a more stable mood around my period time, a more stable mood throughout my month, actually. It supports your cycle health all month long, which is really beautiful. So not only does it support your cycle throughout the month, which is something that we really love here at Almost 30, it also relieves cramps and PMS. So with Deloon, you don't have to miss out on life because of your cycle. 92% of their customers reported relief, and it is nutritional solutions that are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle, not against it. So it's a drug-free supplement for your period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health so you can get the relief you need naturally and start feeling like yourself. So it's really beautiful, high-potency, fast-acting supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So if you want to feel your best, if you want to feel like you're having the best cycle experience, this is it. It is really beautiful, fast-acting, dietitian-created supplements to support your best cycle, and your best cycle means your best life. So leave bad periods behind, start your new life in this beautiful body where we love and support our cycles with 23% off. So you can go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use code almost 30 for 23% off. Oh, and free shipping. Wow, 23% off and free shipping. So Cycle Health, that's C-Y-C-L-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash almost 30 and use code ALMOST30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost30. Use code ALMOST30 to get 23% off and free shipping. Again, that is Deloon. They are here to support you, and I am too. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Now you can get 20% off every IQ Bar product plus free shipping when you text ALMOST to 64000. That's almost to 64,000 to get 20% off IQ Bar. So I'm someone that is plant-based. I've been for probably like 15 years now. And lately, I've been really focused on upping my protein. So I'm looking to up my protein from plant sources. And having more protein in my diet has helped me feel fuller longer. It's helped balance my blood sugar. It's helped me maintain lean muscle mass in my body, among so many other things. I've felt so much better. And if you're on the internet, you might see so many more people talking about having a lot of protein in their diet. But for me, I was having a hard time finding ways to get more plant protein. 
because sometimes it can be a little bit tricky. So I was so grateful to find IQ Bar because it has next to no sugar or net carbs and a lot of protein. So it's the perfect snack, breakfast on the go, dessert. I usually have one in the morning, sometimes for dessert, and I find it to be so, so delicious, but also packed with really healthy functional ingredients for your body and brain. Plus, it fits pretty much any diet. So if you're paleo, keto, gluten-free, vegan, it's got you. And again, it has next to no sugar. So when you have bars that have a lot of sugar, there's a lot of really popular bars that have a lot of sugar. What's happening is you're getting that sugar hit and then you're probably getting that crash later, which is making you even more hungry, even more tired, and not really sustaining your energy. But what I love about IQ Bar is it has a perfect balance of a lot of protein, fiber, and then not a lot of sugar. Plus, it's so delicious. It has plant protein. It has probiotics for a happy gut. It has healthy fats for clean, crash-free energy. It's holistic and natural, made with real food, not chemicals. It is my favorite thing. I love the banana nut bread one. Oh my gosh. Usually I'm like a chocolate gal. I'm like an almond butter gal. I love all of their chocolatey almond buttery flavor ones. Their banana nut bread one is just soft and delicious. It is seriously amazing. So IQ Bar is the number one brain and body protein bar in the U.S. with over 10,000 five-star reviews and hundreds and thousands of happy customers. I'm so excited for you to try this to up your protein, to get those prebiotics in to help your brain because they have brain functional ingredients and feel really, really good. So get 20% off your IQ Bar and any IQ Bar products plus free shipping by texting ALMOST to 64000. That's ALMOST to 64000. Let me know your fave and enjoy. Yeah, I realized I had actually been introduced to this concept of the soul through what we do and through a few particular conversations that um, I learned how to soul journal and kind of connect with my soul, my higher self. And then in doing uh, IFS work in therapy, which by the way, I didn't know it was IFS work when I was doing it, (laughs) just kind of um, beautifully blended into the work that we were doing. Um, I realized that the capital S self was, you know, was who I had been speaking to in my journaling and really connecting to in the ways that I had been doing in like, you know, whether it was my morning routine or just in in times of, of deep anxiousness. And it was really beautiful to realize that like that part of me has always been there. And it was also really beautiful to uh, remember back, but then also I have a lot of um, home movies that my mom took when I was a kid. So when I watched these, I I could connect with and sense that essence of me that has always been there. And it almost got me just excited because it was like this eternal feeling where I think the the creation of these parts that have so much purpose for a very specific period of time you can feel kind of disjointed, or at least I did, where I'm like, who am I really? Who am I really? But in connecting with this soul part of me, I I felt more whole than ever. I'm curious, you know, in, in first introducing this work to clients um, or even in teaching 
other therapists this type of work, what are some questions that you ask to conjure the part or to bring more clarity to the part that is, um, whether it's running the show in a certain experience? Do you want to role play? Sure. Okay. So how can I help you? Hmm. I, particularly this week, I'm feeling like I'm really losing myself in what is either not going right or how I'm not feeling great. And I really get stuck in these kind of like vortexes where I feel like I can't claw my way out. Okay, so it sounds like there's a part of you that could make you feel like it's everything's going wrong mm. or or mm -hmm. make you feel a little bit off. Everything's not quite right. Yes, right? I feel off heavy and then I feel like a burden to anyone I'm around. Okay. And so is there a part of you that agrees and says you're a burden to everybody? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, so if you're interested... There's a way to work with these. We just mentioned three different parts. That's just my word for it, different feelings. And if you're interested, there's a way to focus inside and begin to get to know these parts and actually help them change. And I'm good at doing that, and I'm happy to help you with if you're interested. Yeah, I would love that. So which of the three that we mentioned so far would you like to start with? Mm, the part that feels like a burden. So go ahead and focus on that one and find it in your body or around your body. Mm-hmm. Where do you find it? I find it in like my chest, like my heart space. Okay. And as you notice it there, how do you feel toward it? I feel like she's tired. That part, yeah. Like it just feels kind of deflated so is she she's she's letting you know that she's tired and deflated mm -hmm. but how do you feel toward her i feel like i want to support her and yeah i want to support her and and reassure her okay she's not so a let burden. her know mm-hmm yeah, let her know that you want to support her and want to help her and just see how she reacts to that from you. Yeah, there's like there's like a receptivity of a Yeah, like a desire to kind of work together rather okay. than shouldering it all. Okay, good. Yeah. And let her know that you get that she's felt like she's had to carry everything, but you're going to be helping her share the love. And ask her more about what she wants you to know about. Them. That it really wasn't okay to, or there wasn't space to be like a burden. Like this is a very specific time period where she really had to be very aware that she can't be a can't be a burden. Okay, 
And is she she's showing you that time time period and what that was like? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to witness that? Yeah. So let her know you really want to get what that was like for her during that time. You want to feel it and see and sense everything she wants you to. About how hard that was to have a constant message that she couldn't do anything to burden him. Did she feel like you're getting that? Yeah. And just ask if that's everything she wants you to do, or if there's anything more. Yeah, she's just she's just kind of emphasizing that because she felt like she couldn't be a burden, then she just didn't feel like fully expressed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was just kind of a constant uh, resituating around certain energies and certain people and situations, and and so she could never really fully be herself and fully expressed. And so... Um, and was never fully seen, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So she really had to hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ask what that was like for her. What it made her feel, or her feel about herself or you know, having to be so careful. What was that like? Stressful anxiety inducing and uh, exhausting and yeah so ask if she does feel like you're getting all this yeah mm-hmm. okay good so I'd like you now to go to her in that time period and be with her in the way she needed somebody at the time. Just tell me when you're with her. Mm-hmm. How are you being with her? We're just hanging on the floor. And my arm around her. That's perfect. How's she reacting to your being with her? She's just kind of melting. <laughs> melting into me. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Yeah. So she's happy about that to come into you this way? Yes. Okay. Ask her if we need to take her out of that time period or if she has, by melting into you, if she's already done that. Yeah. She has? She has done that. Okay. Then ask if she's ready to unload these feelings and beliefs, fear of being a burden or whatever she's carrying, she's ready to unlock that. Yeah, she's ready. And ask her what she'd like to give it all up to, light, water, fire, wind, earth, anything else. Water. So take her to water, set that up. Ask her where she carries that in her body or on her body. Hmm. Carries it like in her belly area. Mm-hmm. 
So tell her when she's ready, she can just let that all out of her belly and let the water take care of it. And just do that until it's all out. Mm-hmm. She's released. How does she feel about it? She's light. She's moving around freely. Mm -hmm. And if she'd like to, she can invite qualities into her body she'd like to have and just see what comes into her. Just freedom of expression. That's Quality right. Quality of just being dynamic and feeling what she wants to feel. Being seen. Yeah, all confidence. the feel, feelings she, mm -hmm. all the things she had to get rid of before. Mm -hmm. So how does she seem? She just seems more herself, like confident. Posture is really good. Okay. And there's not this like hyper awareness of anything and everything around her and what she has to be because of it. Ask her what she wants to do inside of you. She's not to chill. Okay. <laughs> so let her know she can do that. And before we stop, you could invite parts that might have been protecting her or or not liking her to come in and check her out. Mm. Yeah. How are they reacting? Yeah, they just see her differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. Less conflict. So does that feel complete for now? Yes, it does. Come on by. I have the feeling that wasn't quite a role play. <laughs> That was pretty real, right? Yes. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. you got my money's worth today. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was Indeed. beautiful. Yeah, it was a great example. Of, actually, we, I think probably because you've done a lot of IFS, we didn't have to get permission from all, mm -hmm. a lot of protectors, and we could go right to this exile. Mm -hmm. It was a great, great example of what we do to heal these exiles. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably someone that wants to change their life for the better. You're someone that's on your path of growth, of transformation, of change. You want to live a good life that you love. You want to know yourself more and you want to support your evolution. Well, the number one way that I've done that is through therapy. I know you might have wanted the magic pill. You might have wanted the trick, the hack, the whatever, but therapy has been the most transformational thing for me. It has helped me love myself in a deeper way. It has helped me come home to myself. It has helped me navigate friendship breakups, relationship transitions. It's helped me with my body relationship, with my mother wound, with my shadow work. It's really been the most impactful thing. And it is the ultimate act of self-care. Having a space and place for you to be yourself, to say the thing you might be afraid to say, to cry, to vent, to just be is so, so powerful. So I'd love for you to support yourself this year by getting into better health. 
BetterHelp is a really easy way to help support your therapy goals. It makes it more affordable. It makes it easier to access. It's done virtually. You can text your therapist. You can reschedule in the app. And I really love it. I know so many people in our community, my family and friends also use BetterHelp and they've had the best experience with it. So I definitely suggest for you to try. So you can go to betterhelp.com slash almost 30 and get 10% off your first month. So that's betterhelp.com slash almost 30 and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash almost 30 to get 10% off your first month and support yourself and your journey and your growth with an amazing therapist that is here for you and your evolution as a safe space for you to be who you are and be that best version of yourself. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this show. So there is so much out there when it comes to supplements, when it comes to pills, when it comes to diets, when it comes to recommendations for what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat and blah, 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 blah. And I know as someone that's tried all of them and has experimented quite a bit. I'm like the health and wellness guinea pig. I swear I've tried and done it all with an effort to feel and look my best. But one of the things that has been a staple in my diet, in my lifestyle, and in my routine that hasn't really changed over the past five to six years has been athletic greens. I bring athletic greens with me whenever I travel. I have it every morning on an empty stomach. And it has been the tried and true product for me that has supported my ultimate health, my ultimate energy, my ultimate digestion. It has pretty much everything that we buy separately in one. So whether that's adaptogens, digestive enzymes, hormone supporting supplements, minerals, vitamins, greens, it really, really has it all. It was hard for me before to keep up with the supplement routine. I would have like 60 pills in my hand and didn't really know what was working and what wasn't, didn't really know what I was even doing. And so it was very obvious to me that AG1 made my life easier and made the supplement game for me so much better. It really helped me improve my digestion, my hair and skin feels better, and it supported a really beautiful sleep. I also quit caffeine recently, and I don't want to be pretentious at all. (laughs) So whenever I say that, people are like, oh, God, But I just wanted to say it supported me in feeling energy and feeling vital and feeling like my best self whenever I was going through that process of quitting caffeine. And I have to say with the skin, I mean, people be asking me about my skin. It's one of my things I got to say. And it is AG1. It's the greens. It's the hormone support. It's the digestion support that has really, really helped me. There is a toolkit that I have for skin and AG is truly one of them. It's designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to do a lot. And it's pretty much the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute. I swear by it. Scoop of protein mixed in water once a day. It has been part of millions of mornings since 2010. So AG1 is an amazing nutritional drink, foundational nutritional drink that is so powerful and it is going to support you in living your best life. So if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements and feeling and looking your best, Athletic Greens is giving you a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. You can go to athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. That's athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. You can get a year supply of vitamin D, which is so key for your happiness, your health, everything, and then five free travel packs. So those are really important. I take them with me wherever I go. So I'm excited for you to get those free, free gifts. 
You can go to athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. That's athleticgreens.com slash almost 30 and try it out today. I had a situation where, or maybe it was an exile, was incredibly mad, <laughs> like hissing, incredibly mad. So what is that situation? Do protectors always protect exiles or what's that dynamic and relationship between protectors and exiles? Can you explain a little more about that? Yeah, well, I'm, what I've mentioned so far are these vulnerable parts like yours get locked away because they weren't acceptable. Uh, you know, I, I don't need to know the details, but there was some people you were around who didn't allow you to show that for fear of being a burden. And so we all have parts that are these vulnerable young parts that we we just can't afford to have in certain environments, and then they get stuck in these basements inside. And then there's a set of protectors who, again, either our family can't accept or because of bad experiences with them, we get an attitude toward them, and they become what I call protectors in exile. So it's a different category. So in many families, anger is that. You're just not allowed to be angry. And that may be what was the case with... Uh, I want to talk about this as it relates to shadow work, because it feels like this is, from my perspective, what shadow work is, which is bringing and recognizing the, the parts of us that we don't always want to look at or recognize or see. So, yeah, would you would you say that this really is like a, a way of shadow work? Yeah, I mean, Young was onto this stuff years before me. He just didn't put it into a very usable framework, from my point of view. He wasn't clear about it. And, but what he called the shadow would include what I just described, which are these protectors that, that get locked away, and also the vulnerable exits, too. So he didn't necessarily distinguish between those. But yeah, shadow work is designed to to bring them back home. Yeah, we do quite a bit of shadow work over here. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, shadow is in the uh, zeitgeist, um, at least in our communities. And I think sometimes it can um, hold kind of that heaviness and that like negative connotation. So that's, it's just always good to kind of like bring these new words, like literally new words and perspectives and modes of integrating because I think that we can become so burdened with the work mm -hmm. and feel as though we must go through, and I think you mentioned earlier, like 20 years of work healed and um, and feel as though you need to eradicate, you know, all of these things within you in order to be the person that, you know, lives a beautiful life or can be in a relationship or can be successful in their job. I suppose, you know... Having been doing this, your work, for so long and seeing the evolution of therapy and also the introduction, evolution of kind of this modern spirituality, have there been points at which you mm, felt like you needed to caution your patients or people as to the potential addiction to the work, the heaviness of like taking it all on and feeling as though it needs to be fixed before they live? 
What has been your experience with that? What I learned fairly early on, particularly with trauma survivors, is there's a rhythm to the work. And so somebody will come in and we'll do a big piece of work like we just, and I would say, okay, you know, let's get to the next exile and so on. And there'd be a big pushback. And initially I thought that's some kind of protector or resistant. But with some people just need a break, you know, after you, after you've done something so vulnerable and so kind of energy draining in some ways, it makes sense. And so we would, I learned to do a couple of sessions where we just would talk or, or would just kind of enjoy the feeling of the lightness that you just described and, and increased feeling of self in your body and not try to do a lot more than, and so now we're just very sensitive to those kinds of rhythms and, and everybody's different that way. I think that's, you know, a beautiful way to illustrate it, that rhythm of, of doing this work and the need for space and rest and, you know, nothingness, um, I think is, is so important because then you're able to experience, you know, maybe that big piece of work that you did in therapy, maybe you actually experience the, the difference that it's made in these small mm -hmm. moments in, you know, the mundane of the day, then you connect the dots and the purpose of those profound moments in therapy become understood on like a cellular level. Exactly right. And the other thing I learned was that a piece of work like we just did will stick if you keep it going on your own. Every day, check in with that, that younger part and make sure she's okay and uh, see if she needs anything more and turn that into a meditation, part of your meditation. There are like four or five reasons why these burdens come back and these parts get thrust back into the past. And that's one of the most common ones. You did it and you got her out, but you abandoned her afterwards. Oh. And so she felt better. Mm -hmm. So while people need a break in a sense and not to go into new territory, very, um, kind of pushy about following up on the work we have been doing every for a month or so. So it actually becomes for many people life practice and a kind of therapy. Something that you're doing on your own all the time. When I when I as I'm talking to you, I'm just kind of noticing different parts coming and going, asking them to just let me stick down. You don't have to interject this comment. It's okay. And <laughs> at this point my parts trust me pretty well, mm -hmm. so they don't interfere. And doing this kind of mm -hmm. fight, having a fight with my wife, that's a different story. Yeah. yeah. What is that then? I guess that's a great segue, mm -hmm. you know, because in work, as an example, I can notice and recognize my parts easily and be like, okay, like I respect this, you know, very anal part of my <laughs> part of me, you know, and the benefit that she's brought. But is it when you're with someone that is triggering something that is very intimately close to you, say your wife as an example, is that a deeply ingrained part or is that a more um, charged part that has more to lose and that's why you're, it kind yeah. of slips between or what's that ability? That's right. I mean, the, the people you let really close to you have more power to hurt you and your young parts, in some cases exiles, attached to them as 
the person who's going to make you them feel good about themselves. And so when that doesn't happen, or the person that that you deemed the redeemer that way acts the opposite way, it's much more hurtful than if it's somebody you don't let that close to you. And so there's no better what I call tormentor, the hyphen between the tor and the mentor, than your intimate partner, because they can trigger the parts that you really need to learn to heal. That's why they call them a mentor, a hyphen, by tormenting you, they're teaching you what parts you need to find and heal. And if you do that and you get that, it makes relationships so much easier. Because, and this is probably something also for your audience to hear. So many of us come out of our families looking for Mr. or Mrs. Wright to really take care of our exile because we don't know what to do with our exiles. And we've been taught that there is somebody out there who can make you feel about yourself. And that's a big load to put on an intimate partner. So what IFS is designed to do is to get you to be the primary caretaker of your own exiles so your partner can be the secondary caretaker of them. And most of us have that totally reversed. So when they're hurtful, that there's that big shift. I thought you loved me, and now look at what you're doing, and how could this be? And, and then your protectors go into all kinds of different project projects to either get you away from this partner or get that partner to change and and your partner feels all that and just uh, starts all kinds of vicious cycles yeah you mentioned before attachment theory and i've thought about you know there was an interesting situation where in female friendships that's something that i always have to be mindful of because there's like a level of intimacy that I reach within female friendships where it feels a little scary. And I think that's sort of maybe a situation where I'm doing the exile thing, where I'm kind of hoping that they'll take care of an exile. Because mm -hmm. I thought about it as attachment styles originally, where I thought, you know, now that I'm in a deep, intimate relationship with them, there's more weight on our attachment. And I have a fear of attachment, but that makes sense about the exile. So it would be me essentially giving them or, or actually asking them to overlook or take care of my exiles instead of me taking care of my exiles, which is very scary and can mm -hmm. make me feel unsure. Yeah. Unsure. Yeah, that's that's just what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you wanted, to, we could do a little piece of work around that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, where do you want to start with it? You have a sense? Mm. Let's start with the part of me. I guess would this be a protector part? The part of me that feels afraid to have deep intimacy with women because I'm afraid of being hurt. It's likely a protector. We're not sure yet. Okay. Let's start with that. Okay. And go ahead and focus on and find it, find it in your body or around your body? It's like throat, heart. And how do you feel toward it as you notice it there? feels super tightly wound and like very controlling and very 
Yeah, very, like, frantic. Yeah. So that's how it feels. Yeah, okay. How do I feel it's towards definitely, it? definitely a protector. How do you feel toward it? Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't yet understand another way. So I'm like, I'm what this makes sense. I'm like, you make sense to me. Like I don't necessarily see everything that she's doing makes sense to me. That's how I feel. So let her know. Yeah, let her know. Okay. You, you really understand why she's doing it. You can feel the tension in my throat and my heart just really relax. Just ask if there's more she wants you to know about this position she's taken mm-hmm. with email friends. Anything more she wants you to know about it. She's just really going on about how hurt, how much pain there has been. And mm-hmm. she's like, just very explaining. She's like, I don't, you know, she's like, I don't think you fully understand. Kind of okay. explaining it. Are you open to fully understanding that? Mm, I don't know if I am in this moment. Because I'm yeah. like, that would be... Intense. Yeah, it might be a little too intense for right now. And okay. I would I would want to do it like fully, you know? But I do want to respect her and I do want to come back to her. Yeah, so let her know this isn't the right context, mm-hmm. but that you are going to come back and and really get what she wants you to know and feel all in sense. Mm-hmm about how much pain there is back then and see if she's okay with that. Definitely scared I won't come back. So I have to make sure to come mm-hmm. back. Does she have reason to fear that? Is, it, yes. is there a chance that parts of you wouldn't let you do this? Mm. No, I feel like I have direct access to her, but she's kind of like, this is kind of the wound of the leaving or, you know what I mean, kind of a little abandonment in there too. Yeah, so that she's felt like you've approached her in the past and then mm-hmm. then decided you couldn't handle it and left her. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could apologize to her. She's like, what do I do now? She said that? Or yeah, she, she said, said that. that. Well, you know, since you have this pattern with her, mm-hmm. you can't really commit to coming back for mm-hmm. sure, right? Mm-hmm. But could you commit to working with the parts of you that pull her, pull you away from her? Mm-hmm. What What do you mean when you say that? What parts of me pull me away from her? I don't know, but okay. that's the pattern, right? Yeah. So let me ask you that question. What has happened in the past to keep you from really being with her? Mm-hmm. You could even ask her. She probably knows. Yeah. I think it's the fear of feeling so much. Okay. So it's it's the fear of the intensity of the yes. emotion that would come yeah. if you really took in how how hurt parts of you have been. Yeah. And the fear of being overwhelmed by all that? Yeah. Okay. So could you commit to working with the parts that are so afraid of that? We can do a piece of that right now if you want. Yeah, that I think that part is very present 
for me lately, yeah. just with everything going on in the world too. I feel, I feel that part very activated where it's mm -hmm. like, there's a lot, easy, this is yeah. too intense. Too intense. Yeah. Just focus on that one and find it in your body or around your body. To get my forehead. And how do you feel toward it? I'm having a hard time like unblending from it. I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big player in mm -hmm. your system. Yeah. Maybe let me talk to it directly for a second. Mm -hmm. That'd be okay. Mm -hmm. So, so you're the part of Krista that uh, is afraid of her being overwhelmed by intense emotion. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And how do you keep her from that? What do you do to keep her from feeling too much? Keep her from situations where she might feel too much? Uh -huh. Or looking at things or being around anything that might provoke intense emotions? So you try to control her life in this sense? Yeah. So, so nothing, she doesn't ever get triggered that way? Yes. Sounds like a lot of work. Is it true? I'm what? very, I'm very good at it. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but don't you get tired sometimes? Do you, do you ever get tired of this job? I'm thinking. Okay, maybe you don't. It's okay. I don't know what my job, what other my other job would be. Well, we can play with that. Mm -hmm. But before we do, how old do you think Krista is? Seventeen. Yeah. And it's likely when she was 17, she really couldn't handle being overwhelmed by intense emotion. Mm -hmm. But she's considerably older than that. I don't, I don't know how much older. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you might be surprised at what she could handle now. Are you open to learning how old she really is? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go back to Krista and I'm going to have her tell you see how that goes so appreciate you talking to me and let me talk to Krista. okay all right so go ahead and let this part know how old you are and you don't have to let us know mm -hmm. and just see how it reacts it's interesting this like because it's me at 17 it kind of like thinks i'm cool <laughs> i was feeling that <laughs> it's like kind of like oh like it's kind of liking what's going on, but we're kind of not talking about the issue. So I don't know if right. it's like it's controlling me right now by like flattery or something. <laughs> Just our odds. Maybe mm -hmm. it'll admit it if it has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a good strategy. Yeah, it's good. It could be honest though. Mm -hmm. But it's Just basically saying we need a lot of time to to feel. I've got the resources. You a lot of time to feel? Yes. So it's asking for time before you feel, or is it asking? Asking for a lot of time to feel everything that I've been holding back from feeling. Okay, so now it's it's wanting to go for it mm -hmm. more. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what do you say to it about that? Say we can do this? Yeah. Yeah, do let it know that you can handle a lot more than you could when you mm -hmm. were 17. Mm -hmm. 
she really get why it got stuck there and and has been doing what it had to do back in all this time. I see all like the memories of what was going on at that time. And then it's like, whoa, I see why. That's I, right. I couldn't really feel. You couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So let it know. You get it really saved you back then. Mm-hmm. But things are different. Yeah, it's feeling much better. And now ask it if it would be up for letting you feel more of what that original part wants you to feel and mm-hmm. see and sense. Mm-hmm. We can't do it right now, probably, mm-hmm. but if it, in the future it's, it's more willing to let you do that. There's like a sensation in my right side of my face. It's very interesting. Um, but yes, it's, it's open. Okay. You can check and see what that sensation is. It's like a grinding of my right side jaw, like holding back the emotion. So it's like that feeling in my right side face. That's now kind of like in my full jaw and face. Okay. And so this is a different part that's worried about emotion where can you tell? No, it feels like the... It's just a body sensation feeling of what it's felt like to hold back the emotion. Okay, good. Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. good that you can feel. Mm-hmm. For... Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, you appreciate how hard it's had to work. Yeah. Yeah, now that I have the body sensation, I much can like correlate it. And I think that was unlocked by having the memory of the things that I was holding back emotion from when I was 17. So let yeah. both these parts know that you're going to keep working with them. Mm-hmm. When the time is right, you feel it all and release that part from where it's stuck back there. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. Well, thank you both. These were both great examples. Mm. With the, I guess with the body, do you find that to be consistent where people are having somatic experiences where where there's memories that are stored within the body? Yeah, I haven't tracked that as much as one of my colleagues, Susan McConnell, came out with a book on on somatic IFS. But Mm -hmm. yes, um, protectors tend to be up in the forehead or the jaw Mm. or choking you in your neck or they do what they can. They do what they, with the tools they've got, they'll use your body to try and suppress it all. And uh, exiles tend more to be like yours, Lindsay, in the gut or mm-hmm. uh, in the heart, stuff like that. Wow. Passing. That was really beautiful. I did want to ask one more question just on the relationship piece where, you know, having this language in relationship, especially like your closest relationships. And I think, you know, Krista and I have done so much work together as well. We're best friends and we're business partners. And it's been really helpful to have language where even yesterday I was like, this is the part of me that's kind of like really present right now. And Mm -hmm. I think she just kind of needs to like feel what she's feeling. And I really feel like tomorrow's going to be a better day. And um, even that, like I felt in that moment, just kind of this like the the honoring of and like just kind of the holding of that part rather than Mm -hmm. trying to like put her in the closet um, really helped me um, release a lot of that burden. But have you found this to be uh, 
instrumental in couples, especially being able to just navigate any season of life and be able to love one another through the triggers, love one another through just like really transformative seasons where the other could become kind of foreign, but it's, you know, all for, for growth. But I'm just curious what you've seen in couples using this word. Yeah. You know, loving your partner when they're in their biggest protector is quite a project. What we do encourage couples to do is what we call a U-turn in their focus. Because so often your partner's protector triggers your protector and those two parts go at it and it's parts wars you have no clue either of you the damage your protector is doing to your partner's exile because your mm. partner never shows you their exiles they just show you your protector it was an indian phrase that goes something like when the water buffalo battle in the marsh it's the frogs who suffer it's like those protectors bang heads but little exile frogs are getting trampled. And so the practice is to sort of stop the fight and both people do what we call a U-turn, the focus, and focus inside and notice the parts, both the protectors and the exiles they're protecting, and come back to each other after you've got a sense of that and do what we call speak for your parts rather than from your parts. So... You know, on a good day, if I get really triggered by Gene, I'll go away and I'll come back and say, you know, when you said that, I triggered a part that got really angry, but as I stayed, went past, there's this little guy in there. He has a lot of issues with him and felt really cut off. And, you know, and I'll work with them, but I just want you to know it had that impact. That's a very different message on why the hell did you hang up on me that way? So that practice of speaking for, from self, for these parts, um, really cuts through a lot of big fights. Mm. Yeah, it's the ultimate accountability too, which is what I really like about it. There's like, it's interesting because it's both accountable and like not accountable. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you're being incredibly accountable because you're like, this brought up this for me. But then you're also saying that it was a part of you. Mm -hmm. So there's like this beautiful, mm -hmm. like, like both sides of it. What I've noticed with the IFS work is it's very cyclical in the way that I see it, where it's like trigger happens, protector comes out, exile comes out. Say it's binge eating. It's like, okay. The exile is expressed. The exile wants comfort. The exile wants all these things. Then the protector comes out, which means we need to restrict, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, it feels like a lot of times within the relationships, there's this cyclical element to them. That's right. And maybe that's a way in which people could help identify how they could use this work is when they're feeling like consciously they're wanting a, 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 to do something, but subconsciously they're being pulled back or there's this like, foot on the brakes, foot on the gas situation happening. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, that's one scenario in which the parts are very evident. And yeah, we all have dilemmas you're facing in your life. And there's a part that says, go for it. And a part says, don't you dare. And all you got to do is just pause and listen to both sides. And then you kind of become a therapist to these two polarized parts. And you can actually bring them together and have them talk to each other and see if there's a way they can work something out. 
or find the exiles they're both protecting in England. So yeah, that that's a common way to identify parts. It's just to find conflicts in your life and there's always two parts going at it. What has been the workaround um, psychedelics and this? I know that in some of the therapies that they do in Los Angeles, they use things like ketamine. There's also psilocybin, MDMA that are supportive. Is it supportive because you're able to bypass protectors? Mm. Or what's really happening in the psychedelic experience within therapy and using parts? Yeah, that's been a big interest of mine. Uh, I'd say the last five years, and I've worked hard to try and have IFS be at least one of the primary maps to the psychedelic territory. And in doing that, I've, the most recent thing I've done, I collaborated with a guy named Phil Wolfson, who's sort of the maven of ketamine. And we did a six-day training for therapists, combining ketamine-assisted psychotherapy and IFS. And you're right, it's a lot of the time what happens is you take the ketamine, you kind of leave for maybe up to 20 minutes. And then when you come back, there's much more self because I don't know why, but these psychedelics seem to put your primary managers to sleep, what people call the ego, or offline somehow. And as soon as they go offline, you just can download a lot of self. And while you're in that state, it's a big invitation for all kinds of exiled parts to get access. And they come in, and if they don't totally blend, like the word you used, then you can do a huge amount of work with them. Now, the problem with some psychedelic facilitators is they think it's all about the medicine and they shouldn't really intervene. They just kind of sit and let it happen. And sometimes these exile parts come in and they totally take over. And the person has a really traumatic experience. So that's what I'm trying to bring is there's a way, even if the person is really blended, to get the part to separate and help the part rather than just bad experience happen. And yeah. also we do a lot working with protectors in the preparatory sessions so that we get full permission going in and go over all their fears about what might happen. Because it's, you know, it's scary for them to lose their power to protect you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I realized actually listening to and thinking about your work. We did an ayahuasca retreat where it was four nights where we sat in ceremony and I didn't really have an experience. And it was, I realized now because my protector parts yeah. were not allowing mm. experience to happen. No, they're not, so they that were, powerful. They can override anything. Oh yeah. yeah. There was me and two other people had the most on the last night of, of anyone. And I, my protector parts were still just like, no way. No, no, no. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Those protector parts are so, and it is interesting when I can even think about the energetics of that protector part, I can really feel that energy of like, nope, yeah. you know, and kind of go into that. So that might be interesting to explore. But yeah, those protector parts are powerful. So I think that's a really beautiful thing for people to think about if they're doing these types of things in therapy or with mm -hmm. other treatments. But I'm looking forward, I'm going to be doing ketamine assisted therapy with my therapist and we're going to be bringing in parts work. So I'm excited to really explore that and see, um, see how that goes. 
I have to say, because I'm, I'm going to do more of those kind of retreats with a colleague named Sonny Strasberg, because I was quite amazed. I went into that whole thing with Phil thinking, you know, we do pretty well without any psychedelics, but we do get stuck. Maybe this could be a way to help people get unstuck. But I was kind of blown away how much we could do by accessing so much self so quickly. And maybe 10, 15 minutes, it would be life-changing work for people. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. That's amazing. Have you done it? Yeah, I've had uh, three high-dose ketamine experiences. And what I would say the most the biggest impact was I used to believe that uh, you die, it doesn't end, you know, that you actually go to a nice place. And now I know because I went there. And, mm. and I just... Have lost my fear of death. I know that sounds kind of wow. grandiose, but it's, it's true, and that's why it's so effective for end of life patients. That and psilocybin, and there are people doing outcome studies with IFS and psilocybin and end of life and uh, some other things. Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited by all of that, and you know, I'm worried that people are going to put too much emphasis on the medicine itself. Mm-hmm as the healing agent and medicine opens the door, but then there's a lot that needs to happen once the door is open. So. Yep. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, having someone facilitate and mm-hmm. in a way, you know, especially someone that you trust and not even the ayahuasca because, because that's a great, even my ayahuasca, it's like I had a facilitator, but my protector parts didn't feel safe with the facilitators. Yeah. So they weren't going to let anything happen. So even in altered states, protected parts can prevent us from really receiving the mm-hmm. true benefits of the work. So I'm excited because my therapist I deeply trust. Yeah. So you'll have a very different experience. Yeah. yeah. We'll hopefully be able to get hopefully be able to get back. I mean, we were in a room with seventy people. Yeah, doing it was my right. protector parts were on point. <laughs> <laughs> we're like the shaman's busy over there. They don't even want to look at me. Yeah, literally, <laughs> the shaman's on TikTok. I don't know. seventy people. I know. We were young. We were young. We didn't know, Dick. We didn't know. We didn't know. (laughs) Believe me, you're still young. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Well, thank you for this. This has been incredible, especially because we've, you know, just been in this work, your work, for a few years now and to be able to kind of come full circle and just continue and like reinvigorate Uh to keep practicing and bring it to our community who are just so... um, Yeah, so dedicated to knowing themselves on a deeper level, knowing the capital S self. Yeah. um, Well, it's it's been delightful for me. I had no idea that you guys knew anything about IFS. And here it is. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you look at our cover art and you're like, who are these girls? (laughs) (laughs) And we know it. We're willing to do the work, baby. (laughs) You can see that. That's true. Fantastic. It's true. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's so great to connect with you. And I know our community is going to be really excited by this. So thank you for taking the time and just sending you a lot of love as you move back to Chicago and with your family and just all the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And we'll be sure to link your new book, No Bad Parts. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Amazing. Awesome. We'll link to that. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much Dick. Dick. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Schwartz. Again, that was Dr. Schwartz talking about IFS. You can find out more information about IFS and Dr. Schwartz at ifs-institute.com dot com to learn more about almost 30 podcasts all that we're up to and ways you can become involved in the community 
or engage in our programs that we've created like Sacredness of Being Single and Life Edit and Law of One, you can go to almost30.com. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being in our lives. It means the world. Thank you for, you know, putting yourself out there and listening to something that pushes the boundaries, that asks you to grow, that encourages you to be your most unique self. Yeah. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. We appreciate you always bringing you brands that we love and have vetted for you. All discount information is in the show notes and on almost30.com. Thanks, y'all. See you next time. See you soon.